As I read through our first reading this final Sunday of the Easter season, I immediately thought to myself, wow, the world 2,000 years ago wasn't really all that different from the world that we live in today. Now, if you were paying attention to that reading from the Acts of the Apostles this morning, maybe you might have felt the same way I did, or maybe you're not really sure what I'm talking about, and that's okay. Because really, if you go back and you reread that first reading we had from the Acts of the Apostles, it will probably come off a little less of like the world is today and a little bit more odd and strange. It begins with St. Paul and St. Silas arriving in the Roman town of Philippi in the province of Macedonia, where they are told, where we are told that they are running into a strange woman. This woman who we also are told in the Bible is a slave, is said to be a girl with a spirit of divination, which means she's what the King James Version of the Bible calls a soothsayer, or what we might call a fortune teller, a medium, or maybe more commonly, a psychic. And she's certainly doing what somehow fortune tellers and psychics still manage to do in this day and time. She's making money whether she wants to or not, and she's making it, we are told, for her enslavers. The book of Acts goes on to tell us that she's only able to divine and tell fortunes because this woman is possessed by a demon. And it is the presence of that evil spirit within her that allows her to do the soothsaying. Now, there certainly can be no question that this is obviously a very troubled young woman, whether we want to accept her ailment as demonic possession or not. We see that in her following Paul and Silas around, proclaiming that these men are the slaves of the Most High God, proclaiming a very different way to salvation. And she follows them for days and days saying that. But no matter how sick this girl is, her slave owners are choosing to use that sickness for something else. Rather than trying to help her or get her more into shape to do the work they have for her, they found a way to use her illness to make money. When we read that Paul, out of frustration, turns and in the name of Jesus Christ, cast out this demonic spirit from the girl, it is her slave owners that are immediately incensed with rage. For her enslavers suddenly lose their ability to abuse her and to make financial gains using her. And so they have Paul and Silas arrested, beaten, and locked in jail. Maybe because of the discussions of demonic possession, that part of the story seems odd and out of place here in the present. But if you think about it a little longer, is it really all that different from what some women in particular face in our world today? Moving on in the second half of the story, Paul and Silas are arrested and placed in prison for healing this young girl. And something else reminded me of our world right now also. Let me read it to you one more time. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, 
he drew out his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. Now, perhaps when you hear those lines from Acts this morning, your mind quickly locks on to the strange and the violent earthquake as Paul and Silas are praying and singing in their shackles and chains in that innermost cell of the prison. Or maybe it's the doors flinging open and the prisoner's chains springing loose that grabs your attention. For me, when I read it, it's the jailer that I come to and am stuck on. For the jailer is a man that's obviously very tied to his career, possibly having worked for years to reach the position that he holds. Suddenly, this honorable, respected man awakes to see the damage done by the earthquake to his prison and assumes that all of those prisoners have escaped on his watch. He must have instantly realized that he would be fired from his job. He would lose his income. He would fall from respect in his position, which was provided for him by it. So when I read the final line of those scriptures, I'm not all that surprised to hear that he's drawing his sword ready to take his life. I mean, how can that really surprise us today? Isn't that what we are sadly seeing over and over again in America? Typically men, but certainly women too, failing at the one thing that's become what defines them, what supports them, what gives them a purpose. Deciding in that lost, in that perceived failure to simply step off the bridge, swallow too many pills, or maybe, just maybe, pick up a gun and go shoot as many people as they can before either they or law enforcement officers turn that gun on them and finally bring their life to an end. I don't know about you, but when we cut through the demonic possession and the fortune telling this morning, and we arrive at a young woman being enslaved and her body being trafficked by her enslavers to make money without any concern or care for her as a human being, it sounds a whole lot like the sad and suffering world right here and right now. And when you read this story about an ancient man with a good job feeling that he's failed that he's been dealt an unfair hand by God and his fellow man, and he's pulling out a weapon of violence so that rather than face the repercussions of his failure, he can erase himself from forever out of this world, no matter how much it hurts those connected to him. How are you not seeing this morning that Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34, really reads exactly like the very stories we hear over and over again today? Here in Jacksonville, down the road in Orlando, over in Las Vegas, and in a place like Virginia Beach this morning. The only real difference, brothers and sisters, is how the story we read in the Bible reaches its finale. That is sadly very different from the way the world outside finishes its closer in more recent stories we read more and more today. For today, we might read from Acts and walk away to talk all morning about how unjust the government must have been all those years ago, how they should have had better leaders or better laws or better people who would find a way to overthrow that government and set up a whole new set of political leaders which they agree with to take over power. 
Or today, we might talk about how medicine and professional counseling could have totally avoided primitive beliefs like demonic possession and better assisted the men and women to find a more productive, maybe a more chemical way to get through pain, disappointment, and depression. I'm sure we'd point out today about how advanced our culture has become since that New Testament was written in the ancient Middle East, how much more technology and scientific knowledge that we've accumulated, how far we've come in 2,000 years since Paul and Silas rolled into old Macedonia, how much better we have it today. But friends, I'm not exactly sure how we then turn around and deal with the fact that right now in the year 2019, rates of suicide in this country are going up and up. Sex trafficking is rampant. Mass shooting and violence is happening every other week. And drug overdoses, stress and depression are at some of the highest levels that we've ever seen them before. That is the reality of our more modern, advanced, wealthy, free world. So maybe, just maybe, the one answer that has been contained in the Acts of the Apostles and in the New Testament for 2,000 years is still needed to be read and heard desperately to deliver us from ourselves, just as it delivered that young slave girl and that Roman jailer. For that same answer grew like wildfire out of the Middle East, out of Macedonia, saving lives from those ancient times all the way up through our scientific revolution to the modern period of the last century to right now. Even if today more and more people than ever are forgetting that that answer means anything, beginning to somehow believe that we don't need it anymore, that we are too advanced and too rational, that we're too smart and too in tune with this world, that we know how to take care of ourselves, thank you very much. That's as if no one is seeing how the world is crumbling all around us. In Acts this morning, St. Paul invokes the name of Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, the enslaved girl is set free from the demon that is inside of her. And friends, even though the book of Acts doesn't tell us this, I completely believe she is also freed from the demons that are outside of her in the evil of slavery. Certainly, if she'd still been in the chains of her slave owners, they could have found some other way to use and abuse her as they always have. But the Bible says that Paul and Silas are thrown into jail because those slave owners have no way to make their money anymore. And when the jailer is about to take his life in the darkness of night for his fear and his failure, St. Paul immediately reaches out, stays his hand, saying these words, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. In that moment, it must have been as if that jailer was delivered from some sort of binding chains. He didn't even know were around him. Something finally reveals to him that he has a greater purpose than his career or his identity in the community. Something that promises once and for all that no matter how far he falls into darkness, there is a profound love that is always there to bear him up. What freedom, what new life this is and it extends from him, we are told, to his entire household. Friends, I'm here to tell you 
that this is what we're all here to be doing. It's what the spiritual life is all about when you mix it in with the physical and with the mental and with your education and with your social life. And just as the world was hungry for it and for that most high God and for salvation 2000 years ago, brothers and sisters, are you not looking around and seeing that this world is even more hungry for it today? Isn't it starving for this revelation and healing balm to be rediscovered as true good news? The way, the truth and the life above everything else, the very light that can shine forth and bring this world out of darkness once and for all. Over these next couple of months, my sabbatical, my time away is meant to be digging deeper into this spiritual life. It'll be dedicated so that I returned recharged and ready to not just talk about this on Sunday morning, but to put it into action for anyone who wants to engage that inner spiritual life more seriously and see what it does for you. So many people have been asking me, how in the world can you go to a monastery for a month? Do those things even exist anymore? How can you get up at 3 a.m. and pray in the morning? How can you sit in silence and meditate on God for hours at a time? Why would you want to do such an outdated kind of thing? Can you even take your iPhone with you? I tell you, as people have been asking me those questions, I've been reminded of all the questions that I've asked people myself before when they tell me that they're out training for a marathon or they're about to go ride a bike 75 miles in one day in the hot Florida sun. Or they're going to join a gym and take on a CrossFit or a hard exercise regime, whatever that is. Or to start a new diet and give up the food that they love. Of course, I don't have to ask why they're doing all of that. I know why. I know how important it is to gain your physical fitness. I know the joy that can come from it. The fulfillment it brings when you're healthy and when our bodies are in good shape. What if your spirit could be equally healthy and in good shape? How would that change you from the inside out? And think if this community, this country, this world had a deep, healthy spiritual life. How could that possibly begin to change everything we encounter and we experience? Friends, I believe the answer to that question has been with us for over 2,000 years. It's in the Acts of the Apostles this morning. It's in the reading from the book of the Revelation of St. John. And it's certainly in the Gospel of John. Jesus says this morning, Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. I'm convinced more than ever before that that's the answer we so desperately need. While I'm away working out my spirit, 
please work out yours as well. And let's get together in about two and a half months and talk about the changes that are occurring in all of us. I believe it. Amen. Amen.